Good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing all right. I'm finally getting some rest and some sleep from my trip, but I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it and talk about a lot of things. Big time trip, big time trip. I'm doing well. Doc seems very pensive, so maybe he'll get into why it looks so deep in thought. But let's get right into it to talk about the uh, Rockets and my prediction of Rockets in six cannot happen because <laughs> they trail. It, it won't happen in seven. In uh, <laughs> That's where they are right the now. Clippers. So they got bazookaed. In is, it, is that what it was? In games three and four in Los Angeles, 124 to 99. In game three, 128 to 95. In game four. And during those games, I had a flashback to uh, this quote from a certain gentleman. Quote, in the playoffs, teams with limited game plans get exposed. The biggest difference is practice time. There's no more predictable team than the Rockets. You know exactly what they're going to do. But James Harden is so good, that's what analytics have begot. Right? Predictability. If you know what the percentages are in the playoffs, you have time to counter them. Whether you're good enough to do it is another question. Who said that? I guess Charles Barkley. No, the owner of the Mavericks. Yes, correct. Mark Cuban said that before really? the it wasn't Charles? Rockets-Mavs series. But he's made some statements, though. And the problem he is... He doesn't like analytics, either. Well, like I said, right. he's made That's some statements. framework from Charles. Oh, yeah. But that quote was attributed to Mark. And the thing is, at the time, the Mavericks were so beat up and and this poor point guard play from Roger Rondo who quit on the team, basically. The Mavs could not capitalize on Cuban's words, but it looks like the Clippers have the personnel to prove his words true. You know, the Rockets are, limiting, are limited on the three-point shooting. The numbers are down in this series. The Clippers are racing up and down the floor in transition, beating the Rockets uh, in fast break points. They've limited James Harden's effectiveness and made James into a passer. And part of that, I think, is James isn't being aggressive. He's not attacking enough either, but the proof is in the pudding. Clippers are up 3-1, chance to close them out Tuesday in Houston. Yeah, not now. only is Harden um, not impacting the game, obviously, as you talk about, but I think a lot of it is from him being frustrated. I think all year long, his Ballyhoo move is to be able to take the ball to the center and get to the free throw line. And a lot of that is because um, he causes the contact and he adds into the dramatics of that. But the Clippers have really watched the tape. And as he drives, they're finding a way to keep their hands down until the normal position is you usually put your hands up and as if you're in a defensive position. And he's been very clever into making sure that his arms go into the other individual's arms, and although some people would say that he's creating a contact, it's obvious that the defender is not giving us space, so they get the call. Clippers have not allowed him to do that, so he's not being able to get in his comfort zone and go to the line, and then being able to dictate flow in terms of now come back and um, get the offensive uh, hitting his other points, whether it's the three or mid-range points and things of that nature. And then we've always known that the Rockets have had problems on the defense. Oh, man. That's really showing its head 
from the standpoint that they're not really getting able to stop getting any stops, so they're not able to get to the fast breaks, which they love to be able to score easy and put up baskets and make threes, uh, uncontested threes oftentimes during the fast break. And so that's starting to fall apart. So they're not a team that can come back on the defensive side and make stops when the offense is not there. And that's why you're getting these not only losing, but they're getting these huge margin of victories for the Clippers. And three things. One, I guess my sight lines weren't as bad as, they, as people have referenced them to be as far as James Harden being a uh, MVP candidate. Uh, two, his defense disagree has has been disagree. Shaken. Stop it! Stop it! Too disagree. Yeah, you do that this, out there. This, this, yeah, because this, this, this has nothing to do with regular season. This is the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and, and and he hadn't showed up. You know, and, and, and but you be like win the MVPs on the regular season based on what you do in the playoffs. And and if he wants to contend that he is still that type of uh, caliber of a ball player, he should show it. In the playoffs, and he had to me, he still hadn't showed that. I think it's difficult to say other than what he did in the first round. And there was a couple of games he wasn't there, so I think your point is well taken there. But you're trying to cross two different lanes. Well, we're not going to let you do that very easy, as our he, listeners understand. Yeah, see, now, that's not we're, we're not we're not other folks. Hey, let that I stuff could slide care less by. you other folks. You know, I I know what I'm looking at, and and I uh, what my eyes are telling me, and what they're showing me is the same thing. He just is not there yet. Okay, okay. But see, that's that's beside the point. We're talking the playoffs. We talked regular season. He led the Rockets to fifty-six wins. Did he not? And did he? Did he not? They won fifty-six wins. They had fifty-six wins. So you saying somebody else? So, so yeah, he, he, he had, had a, he had help. You try to say he, he the had, coach. Yeah. Oh, now I ain't gonna say it's coach now. Who, who, who helped him? All, who, that, who helped him? You know, it's, it, sip your water, man. Go ahead, sip your water. All right. Yeah, because you go. You got you got you got to defend this. So yeah, so you know, get get ready. On this KG, KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcast, this is what we do here, listeners, as you all, all right. know. Okay. So go ahead. Who helped him then? Catch your breath. He didn't have help on now on a on a night in and night out basis, but there was a lot of help around enough help around him to get those fifty six wins. Okay. Well, so the MVP doesn't have. He's not playing help. one on five. Well, he was attempting to, and it looked piss poor. When? When was this? That was in win one, win fifty six. Yes, all those games. He looked. I don't understand. You're not clear at all. To me, he looked like on some nights that he wasn't engaged. You know, it was just he had to kind of like work through a fog or whatever. But night in and night out, he didn't show me that he was a guy that was that I designated out of my eyesight. As an MVP for the league, he led the probably led the league in scoring thirty more points than anybody else in the NBA. And yeah, four triple doubles. And and uh, that's what, again, what, what, what more do you want? That stands against your argument. That's and and and, 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 and y'all you, you still had got to my what I'm what I'm looking at for a guy. And that's that what I'm, we asked him. You had okay, what you I did I didn't see enough of him engagement on both ends. Of the floor, at least on some nights when he needed to be guarding somebody and, and slowing somebody down. Well, okay, or then what about the nights when he did a good job defending the power forwards when he was down there when they went small? He defended the power forwards. 
<laughs> who was he defending? I mean, who who was the guy that he was stopping? I mean, it, it, um, Zach Randolph. He did a good job against other power forwards. Was it enough? Fifty six wins. Fifty six wins. wins. Yeah, that's what the team won. No, the team won. So what did Steph Curry do? He play by play by himself? No, but he didn't. They won sixty seven. So what? How did that get done? Did he have yeah. off nights? He have any off nights? He didn't play. A lot of nights he didn't play put complete games. So you taking him back? He's right. MVP too. No, I'm, from the no. Boy, wait, he, he's struggling mm-hmm. in the playoffs too. They're down two one. Oh, and they're they, they struggling for a reason. What reason is that? Steph Curry doing the same thing. What's what's go? How's it different? Okay, I'll tell you what's different is now for whatever reason it goes back to what we've all said. They come into they get everybody gets short handed in, in the playoffs, and now you get a night to. Watch and see what the other guy's doing. You get a, you get a measurement of not just tape, but a night in and night out. You know, one, two, three, four, ga- four or five games. You can see what's going on. You can make adjustments and all in between games. Okay, and that's true. But what does that have to do with the MVP during the regular season? You were you would do little pebbles at James Harden, points on the same pebbles as Steph Curry. Because what I saw in Steph Curry was a different. Uh, what I uh, what I saw in him was different. What I was looking for. At uh, what I saw at at, uh, at uh, James Harden, and, and what wait, what's what's different? I about saw it? more of a a combination of of what I saw with Westbrook, what I was looking at him on a night in night out basis with both ends of the floor and fearless. I didn't see that in, in, in James Harden. All I saw was go get it, get it done. That, what does it have to do with him winning MVP? The, you, how you, you go about doing it, being fearless or whatever? You know, it's, they won 56 and, games. I mean, all right, let me, let, let, let me ask y'all this. Let me ask you this then. Was it a night in and night out? Was James Harden a guy that you felt like you needed to defend on a night in and night out and stop? Yes. To no win game. Hell yeah. I think anybody would tell you that. Really? On Even this rocket team? Don't think he was the MVP yeah. would tell you that. They won 56 games without Dwight Howard playing half of them. I did, Who did, else I, did you have to stop? Nobody else. Nobody. Exactly. Else. Exactly. Nobody else. You can't get 56 wins and not have to stop anybody. Josh Smith, Corey Brewer, where are they in the playoffs? This second round, what have they done? So, not a thing. Nothing. So you suggesting to me that he wasn't the best person on his team? James Harden? On the Rockets. On the Rockets. Is somebody better than James Harden on the Rockets? Night in and night out? Nah. <laughs> but still, I, he would. He, he, he yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that's right. I sure did. You you asking me to just to go along to be along? No, I ain't asking that's not, not, sure not at all. So that means there was somebody else in your mind that you were considering saying. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that is. sure is. That sure is. That sure is. All right. <laughs> Who else could it be in your mind is is a better rocket than James Harden this season? Oh, I wasn't gonna do that too. On a consistent basis. Oh no, that's what we did here. <laughs> on a consistent basis, they never had no bad. Exactly. On a consistent basis. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. But I just didn't. Just, it was just night in, night out. I don't know what it, what it is about his game and all. Other than you know, I, I just despise his his defensive efforts. Okay, you know? that sounds personal then. And that and that can be personal. Okay, that's fine. Just say that then. You know, it just can be, and it is. That that's that's an effort situation with me. And I, I and I, I, I and night in night, I, I want to see that more on a regular basis. Than I want to see you putting up shots and all, and just living in the in the daylight. Until these playoffs, his defense was much better this season. No question, folks saw it all the time. And 
and, and clearly, whatever you saw, you disagree. Yeah, that, that, that's it. And how can folks send you tweets <laughs> to share your thoughts the and same go to place, the KG Facebook The same page. place they've been sending them at. Which is what? At Twitter and, and TweetDeck and uh, Facebook, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. You can find me on uh, Blogger and YouTube and SoundCloud, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And thank you with the NC2A Women's College World Series. I will be headed to Oklahoma City in about two weeks for the uh, uh, for their tournament and looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, you know, weather will allow us to get a complete series in because it's been kind of shaking all on the weather, but Kinda. Yeah. I wouldn't go up there for nothing in the world right now. <laughs> in a tornado belt. Ain't no way on, on this earth would I go up there. Well, I can watch it, I can watch it on TV. Yeah, and the destruction want, is enough for me. It. I am no, no, sir. I don't want any of that. Good all luck right. to all of them and, good, and be safe. Oh, that, that, and when, you, when you hear those sirens, driving. you hear those sirens, driving. you run to the nearest shelter. <laughs> Yo, trust me now. I'm not driving. That's, be, I'm, I'm, but you'll be, be staying but, someplace. Oh, yeah. I'll so, be you know, and if it's in Tornado Alley, you just be be careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll do but that. But Oklahoma City is a cool place to hang out, though. I'll be in there a couple of times. Yeah. To hang out. Yeah. Brick City. Yes, sir. All right. Is the series over tomorrow on Game 5? What's wrong with the Rockets? Hold up. Let's just go okay. right there. <laughs> we know Wildcat thinks James Harden hasn't played well, you know, <clears throat> despite the fact that Clippers, 117, Seriously. 109, 124, 128. That's what the Clippers have scored. All right, that, that average out to what? 115 or 110 a, a game that they've given, they've given up? Let's see. I know it's 478. So that's, man, that's almost, almost 120. That's scary. And in the playoffs, you giving up that many points, you got to be doing a lot of bad, crappy, crappy. defense. And, and you're not adjusted. Yep. At all. No, I mean, player-wise or coaching-wise, somebody's not well, adjusted. They, they adjusted. Kevin McHale went to hack a DeAndre Jordan last night in the first quarter. And, and what did he do? What and did he it do? it was horrible. What did he do? DeAndre took 28 free throws in the first half. And, and what happened? And McHale, and a lot of people believe this, during the game, and do it to, to do it so early, That's it just what, showed that McHale does not believe his players are good enough to stop the Clippers. And that's not, and as a as a coach, that's not good. As a player playing for that coach, that's truly not good because that means confidence has fell off all the way exactly. down the line. And see, that's that needs to be addressed because you know, second half, game three and game four, third quarters have been awful. Rockets have come out of the locker room, couldn't defense just went. It was bad in the first half. It was worse in the third quarter, both game three and game four. It's like they. I'm going to go ahead and say it. We're going to put it out there. Like they quit. Like they stopped caring. Like they stopped trying on defense. Stopped putting forth effort on defense. You know, if you have lost confidence in your coach, your coach lost confidence in you, that's one thing. But if you have enough pride in your own individual game and then as your teammates on the court, to even say, and we've, we've talked about this, we've seen enough basketball games over the years, to get to a point where the players – Players say, forget the coach. 
At some point, that's got to happen. Coach, we just go, we're going to get this done our damn selves. They didn't do that. And that needs to happen as our player. Now, if you asking me about James Harden, he should have been the one that stood up in the meeting or in a conference and said, fellas, F what's going on. We need to get this done on our own. At some point, you need to step out on the floor and say, that's it. And that's, and that is a problem. That's what's missing. And that means nobody's questioning what's going on in the huddle and that, and that should be. You're lacking leadership, vocal leadership. Dwight isn't that kind of guy. Dwight's too busy crying about what Matt Barnes is doing to him, getting in his head. James Harden the same way. We can talk about this is a different perspective. And let me ask you this. Um, it's a game two, game three, whatever, when Matt Barnes told James Harden, got fined 50 grand for it, saying, Basically, to James Harden's mother to suck his manhood, and <laughs> got fined for rocket personnel. Told the NBA, Matt got fined for it. But if somebody told my tell that to my mom, I would bust his ass on the court. Doc, y'all be coming get me out of jail. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you now. Y'all been coming get me out of jail. No, but, I'm saying that, but he, he's professional. So and, he, and, did and, it, he did it the right way. But, but you're right. Usually. Now, let's, let's, let's be honest now. Let's, let's be honest. In our younger days, you know, on the street. And the other thing you got to understand, I don't think he knew because you got to remember his brother who came over there and told him to apologize. So I don't think he got the word until later. So it's no, no. That, I'm cool with that. I'm talking about games three and games four. Yeah, because the next game. Out of this, even the, the, the teammates, we got your back, man. We the next, we the next game. We're going to destroy Matt Barnes and we're going to destroy the Clippers because Doc, they're the next game. The That's next game, the next game, homeboy would have been going to the bench quick. There's the other thing that I want to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, 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 and I'm not disagreeing with that. The other, the other component I want to talk about this is that I think that is the framework that we think for one, either street ball or generally at one time and even in the NBA, that was eye for eye. But we also have to be honest with ourselves and understand <coughs> that in a lot of ways that the NBA and even in the NFL, we want to bring that in. The context of how they have neutered players, for a lack of a better term, or really <laughs> deframed them in terms of retaliation and how they will be penalized. The, the framework that you operate in, unlike hockey, has now totally changed over the last 15 years. And the fact that a lot of these players have a lot more relationships. So the animus that you would have generally in the game in itself in terms of opponents, uh-huh. specifically over incident like that, is just not the same framework that you generally would have. And so I, I think I, there's a lot of this. What you say is probably correct to a point, but animus, and I'm not talking about violence. Well, I'm I am. About, you know, doing injury to Matt Barnes physically. <laughs> I'm, I am. You know, despite the it's, fact that I am a deep, diehard Fan of the Detroit Pistons bad boys who would just I could Matt care Barnes, about he, a wouldn't, he wouldn't even got out of the he would he'd been laid out by Rick Mahorn, Bill Lambeer, and Joe Dumas, whoever pick somebody. He it would have been word would have got back. He'd have been done. He, and he he probably would even said it because he knew he'd have been laid out. Yeah, you know. So yes, the game has changed. The game you can Charles Oakley Charles Oakley has said the game is sixty five now. You know, to a certain point, you know that's fine. But, but I'm just saying, I don't think you can have it both ways. Yeah. So you can't ask for but people I'm, to turn it off. No, no. Off I'm just, I'm just, no. I want James Harden to channel that aggression on the court. 
And I think he's tried, but I keep saying I think he's truly frustrated from this framework that I think he doesn't believe that he's getting the calls necessary for him to be successful. And see, that's and a, you may not like it because you already have a problem with okay. it anyway. But you can tell just by his mannerisms when he goes down uh, the center of the court or goes down and drives to the rim and the ball gets over and tips out or it goes out of bounds. He doesn't get called. You can see him as flip his arms a little more. He looks at the ref. You can tell that he's not getting what he believes is the call, and it's frustrating him in terms of the fact that it's essentially what you're saying. It's taking him out of his game, and Quote. I don't think that's something that you can just get back by turning on the lights. Quote. They set the tone with aggressiveness, steady, and there's a lot of barking about fouls in, in the second game and everything like everything else like that. They get Dwight second foul, starts off with Barnes, just two hand, hammers him, and Dwight turns around and puts him and call a foul on Dwight. And then you tell him, and then you tell him call the first one, and then they say they don't see it. Those are the things that lead to our guys some frustrations and stuff, but the game has been ultra physical. And we have been able to get to the line since there was a lot of barking about us getting to the line in the second game. End quote. That's Kevin McHale. All right. Okay. Sounds kind of whiny to me. And but, he, he's been one of those that, that has dished out a lot of parms during his day. During his it was day. suggested to, to James Harden that the Clippers had done a good job keeping their hands back to keep from fouling him. Harden said, quote, I've got a couple of scratches on my arms to show you. End quote. So he's saying he's being hit. Doc's point, he's not getting the call. But this is the playoffs. He's been consistent in his lack of big-time performances for years in the playoffs now. If he is still, if he has not figured out that he's not going to get the same calls in the playoffs that he does in the regular season, that's on him. That's a hardened problem. I can't argue with it. It's a hard problem. Okay. But I don't think every player can just... Switch it on like that. If, that, and see, if, if and that's, that's the where, style of right. player that you are. True. And that's the that's fans. That's what you're going to be. That's what Rocket fans don't like. Yeah. Or are seeing more and more begin to voice their displeasure about it. Because now we're getting into the makeup of the team. The personnel of the team. Yep. Most of these guys, if not all of them, fans would call them soft. And that you was, know, that and, was, that was, a, that was hard, a scouting you know, report. It's, it's tough to say. That was a scouting report. To, to measure because how you know how they're going to measure somebody's toughness right. honestly right. but if you are allowing the opponents to get into your head and negatively impact your performance that's on you if you're waiting for the referees to bail you out on calls that's on you you let that impact how you play defense that's on you if you keep waiting around oh no he's not calling the fouls on me I can't go to the line Adjust. I, that's my point. I don't See, think they can adjust. Which, which gets me to my ultimate point. Who put the team together? Analytic guy. Maury. Okay. Who 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 put together two 37-year-old point guards? Analytic guy. Maury. Who put together four guys who can't shoot free throws? Analytic guy. Maury. Okay. So you see where some of my animosity is toward. Yeah, you said this very early. This is not something that you just come up because things ain't going Correct. Going to Houston Rockets. You said this midway through the season. In fact, people can go back and listen uh, at the trade 
which I thought worked out well for him towards the end of the year, but it's definitely showing his head a lot more now. But I think you said at that very time there were some concerns that you had in terms of the way this team was constructed, uh, particularly for the playoffs. You said even maybe going down the stretch. It hadn't showed itself going down the stretch. And that's why I think, to your point, that Harden gets a lot more credit that he made it work going down the stretch. Now, because as they say in the playoffs, to your point, is that the game changed. And it's showing the lack of overall game that Harden, and I think that is what you're pointing to. And I think that is true, but I think it's difficult to make the argument that he shouldn't have been in the MVP race based on his numbers or whatever. If you make more of the point in terms of what Chris said, and you're saying now that that's why they're not able to get it done and play a caliber team as the Clippers in regards to a team that we know is tougher. Uh, we know that they're well coached. And so when you put those combinations together, even though they're probably not as deep on the bench, although – Which credit, gets me to, yes, another point that we all discussed. Austin Rivers. Yeah. Let's start right there. Let's start right there. Austin Rivers in terms of his son really stepping up and making this bench now a little deeper. He needs a lot more credit to that. But how much of that is the point that he's he's uh, feeling more comfortable to play in this game because of the defensive and see, weakness? Of right, and that's part of defense. One of the main parts of defense on an elite level is all you ultimately all you can do is try to make your opponent uncomfortable as much as much as make possible. them take shots they don't really want to take, get them out of their rhythm. Because if you're going against elite players. Great offense is going to be right. great defense. Right, and that's why I don't But see, the Rockets aren't even playing good defense. Right, and I think that's to your point, and a lot of credit goes there, but that's why I don't really like the term soft because yes. I think it pays into some of these negative connotations. And when somebody gets hard, then you're going to talk about how they are uncouth and you're going to want to use the thug word that we know now is a whole different framework that yeah. goes out there. We won't go there for this framework. Right. I no, 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 set no, it up no, yeah. for what I'm about I understand. To say. I understand. Clearly, thank you. Uh, is the framework that when you really are not in a position as a very skilled defensive team, either as individuals or even more so as five people and people coming off the bench, if you would, mm -hmm. to create the depth. If you can't make a team comfortable or make them uncomfortable, I should say, then it's, you're going to struggle quite a bit in terms of particularly, I should say, in, uh, in the uh, – playoffs. <laughs> and so right now the Clippers are very comfortable. Even a team that doesn't shoot very well from the line. They're able to manifest themselves and move past that and still believe that they're going to get their game. So they're feeling very comfortable about how they play basketball, what they do both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. And right now in a lot of ways I think uh, the lack of offense being played for the Rockets is even playing even more so in terms of what they do on the defensive side of the ball. So they're almost making themselves uncomfortable as a defensive team, if that makes some sense. It's, it's, you know, it's a lack of versatility in their offensive game. The Rockets don't have another, another low post scorer. Dwight is not, he's not a good enough low post guy to demand a double team in the low post. A Donatus one unit's injury. Donatus was probably their best low post scorer. He's out with a back injury. 
but the depth isn't there. You know, to score in low post. James Harden could probably ease some of the lack of cohesion on offense if he had a better low post game. Same with Josh Smith. Teams need somebody that they can throw the ball to down low who can demand a double team and make teams adjust to what they're going to, how they're going to defend that player in the low post. Because you get somebody who can who demands a double team and you got three point shooters, uh-huh. you just pick your poison. You're either going to let me destroy you down the low one on one or you can come double team me. I'm going to kick it out. You're going to find open man. We're going to beat you outside. So, Rockets won't have that. Rockets will have mid-range game. How many guys do you see can get in the paint, score, beat the man off the dribble? Ariza doesn't do it enough. James Harden is it. Jason Terry can't do it. Pre-Jordan can't do it. Corey Brewer. Where's, where's, where, what happened to him from the series against the Mavs to now against the Clippers? He's going against guys, I guess, better. Equally athletic as athletic as he, he, he is. <clears throat> but you look at it. The Clippers bench. Big Baby Davis. Yep. Can't move. Yep. Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers. Interesting. Have all, have two of those three have outplayed Corey Brewer and Josh Smith. Pablo Prigioni was the best three point shooter percentage wise on the Rockets team. What? Really? I mean, <laughs> really? That, you know, really? That, the bench has disappeared. Yeah. And that's on Mikhail and his staff for not putting those players in positions to maximize what they do well. That's true. And Calvin Watkins of VHPN.com tweeted last night during the game that uh, he believes, in his, in his opinion, that Kevin McHale has lost confidence in Josh Smith. He only played him three minutes in the third quarter and didn't play him at all in the fourth quarter. I don't know what that's all After about. After the series clinching win over the Mavs in the first round, Kevin McHale told the media that the Rockets would not have won that series without Josh Smith. So how do you go yeah, from that I don't believe it. I don't to this? It. I think he's just overmatched. He's tried. If you think about it, he's tried so many different things, but whatever he's tried just hasn't worked. So I think right now he sees his team, <coughs> as you talked about earlier, this team that's lacking a lot of confidence. So he's throwing things together because he can't get four or five guys more, even less, one or two guys to really show some life either on the defense or offensive end. They're really, in a lot of ways, just running circle around these Rockets. So everything they throw out there as individuals, as a team, on offense or defense, is just not matching. And that's why, again, I keep saying, at some point, if, when you start getting beat 20, 15, 20, 30 points, games are getting worse, it's not all that much in terms of coaching or players. At some point, you just got to say, it's not working. This is a bad matchup. This team is clearly better the Clippers than, are what, better. We, better than yes. what we are. So even if you coach a little better, is that going to make up for 15 points, 20 points? Right now. Even if players play a little better, are you talking about really breaking up for that much point? And if you think about it, other than what, the late quarter? Game it, two. It could be a sweep. The Rockets trail at halftime. And when James Harden picked up his fourth foul early third quarter, I, I thought they were going to lose that game. Exactly. And then it turned it around. They played. It could have been a sweep. Yes. Yeah. You know, so basically. you're talking about maybe one, one and a half quarters. 
But the issue, I already totally outplayed. And let me say this, and I mentioned on Twitter last night at the VHR review. I said I predicted the Rockets to win this series in six based on, I thought their bench would play better than Clippers bench and Chris Paul's gimpy hamstring. And you should have. I did did not believe the Rockets would lose game one. Losing game one. It wasn't. Anybody but really diehard Clipper fans did not believe that the Rockets would lose game one with the Clippers not having Chris Paul. Yeah. People may have thought they would win the series somehow, being that Chris Paul somehow came back and played decently. But there wasn't anybody in their right mind that can be honest and really say that they came in their first game and thought the Clippers played well. I mean, would have had a chance. And they just outplayed it. Well, I I had two factors. That's fact- the tone for the series, right there. I, I, I had two factors. One, go back to what you we, you mentioned earlier, short bench by the Clippers. I just d- didn't see them being able to, to overcome that. Oh well, that's good analysis. You know, and then two, w- after finding out that Chris Paul wasn't playing game one, I figured, hey, we'll go at the weak spot, fellas. Let's get this done. Bam, game over. We got game they, one. They didn't even get a chance to go out the week. And you know what? Because he didn't even play. So your analysis was right on the point. You cannot count on the fact that you just, that Rivers, the son. Right. I'm, I'm, I got you. Was I got play you. as well as he was. Nobody in there. The man got traded because he wasn't playing well. That, yeah. Actually, really he wasn't playing. And saying, this is really going to hurt this team in terms of moving farther in the playoffs because they thought so little. Rivers, you had people tweeting it, experts, supposedly, coming out and saying, "Well, maybe he he woke up because they were surprised." You, you mentioned something yesterday on a legacy situation. What? 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 Uh, about the uh, Duke players? Oh, Austin Rivers and J.J. Reddick, both from Duke, and both destroying the Rockets. And who'd have thought that coming into this series? You know. Uh, which goes to confidence and the Rockets, right. Harden, Terry. Jason Terry is too short, too light to defend J.J. Reddick, period. Correct. You know, that uh, that's clear. Especially for as long as a period of time. And, he's and he's too slow. He can't come around he's the too, picks. Yeah, you know, he's, he's older he, than that. You know, yeah. He's so not I'll, supposed to be playing this amount exactly, of Exactly. That's a bad matchup for him. Not. You know, and, and yes, the Rockets miss, miss Patrick Beverly, yes, to a point. But Patrick Beverly's defense wasn't great this year when he was healthy. Wasn't great as it, as it has has been. Demo would have helped them in the low post, but their defense and rebounding were not great. Terrence Jones has had one good quarter, maybe two in the playoffs this year. Yeah, don't, don't talk about yourself too bad or me either, because people going to try to figure out now going back to saying why did we pick the right <laughs> <laughs> when you break it down like that. Oh no, it, I mean it was based on few factors. Yep. And one of those, I really thought that the players believed in Kevin McHale. And I didn't believe yeah, that that would it. change. It's changed. It changed in a heartbeat at yeah. some point in this season. Sunday's game was totally I think it, as you said, in game off the rail. It was off the rail. And now. Is it over tomorrow? Is it over in game five? Or are they going back to Los Angeles game six? I think they're going back to Los Angeles game six because enough negativity outside has, has jumped in that locker room and says, you know what? They got yeah. pride. I'm oh, I, I'm hoping 
I'm hoping on that. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm hoping that shows up tomorrow because that's, that's the only thing you got. That's all they have left. That, that's all you got left now. I think they have pride, and I think they'll. I think that's overrated framework, and I and I understand what you're saying. I think they'll play with pride. They'll play with emotion. They'll do that for a quarter, maybe two. But when you get in the second half, particularly the fourth quarter, if they're not finding a way to blow out this game, which I don't think they can blow out the Clippers, they're gonna be in trouble because you know what's gonna happen at the end. They're going to have anything to do with pride. It's going to be the fact that the Clippers are going to make more plays at the end of the game than the Rockets. And let's, and let's give and credit. because they are playing better basketball as individuals and as a team. Let's give credit to the Clippers. We touched, we touched on this in their keys to beating the Spurs and eliminating the Spurs is that the Clippers have matured. Yes. You know, they, they, you look at Blake Griffin, when DeAndre, you go through a seven Chris game Paul. series against the, Last year's champion, the and San I forgot, Antonio Spurs, is right. perfectly right. I forgot who tweeted it, but I think it was during game one. Return, might have been during right game two before, you know, when the Clippers started rolling and then Rockets came back and won game two. Was the tweet was basically the, the Clippers are showing we have eliminated the defending champions and you thought we were going to worry about the Rockets now? Right. Thought we'd be scared about, scared about the Rockets? Yeah. We just beat the champs. So in a grueling seven game series. So we gotta give the literally went to the Clippers. To the yeah. With that being said, are they playing the best basketball in the league right now? Right now, yeah. Right now. No, but, that's what counts. No, yeah, that's, that's all what, we can talk about is right now. But come change and we've seen that sure. from series to series. Exactly. But yes, right, right now, now, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tune in tomorrow, eight thirty Houston time. Or what, uh, TNT I think. Another, okay. Another late game, 12, 30, 1 o'clock, yep. getting out of the building. Yep. <laughs> Doc, you laughing, but that. Hey, I'm yeah. laughing because I'll be in the bed with yeah. my little headphones on, so I won't I got interfere you. with the sleep of Deuce. I hear you. Deflate gate. Hey, the man NFL. went to the man went to University of Salem, spoke, was asked a question, and what did it, what was his answer? I, we he, got everything. He first we chuckled. Yes, he laughed. He laughed kind of hearty and said, "Hey, I don't think we." I, I well, let me rephrase it because I'm not looking at it right now. But he was excited he, and ecstatic. All you have to say is he chuckled that we won, is and, if, and, and we don't really care how we got this question. Yeah, we don't care how we did it, and you can ask our fans right there. And what are they gonna tell you? And what did they shot and said, that's what we want. Yeah, all I want to know is who are his marketing people. I'll take this from a pure business perspective. The way that he has handled this, and to even a greater extent, the New England Patriots, but particularly Tom Brady, has been horrible. We've seen this play out before. Out of baseball, Pettit and Clemens. Yep. We've seen the two polar opposites of how to deal with being confronted by issues um, that you know yeah. are going to be talking points for the media out there. Yep. One confronted the issues, didn't really say much, but confronted it Yep. and moved on. Another one fought it, whatever, and he's having major issues. Pettit, we even forget about he. Hey. They talking about putting his number of jersey up. and Retiring all and, over the place, from, and, from and, high school to JUCO to, to college. And, and, and the, and the, uh, as if he never touched a steroid. And people could care less. Because of the way he mm-hmm. handles it, which and, is my point. And 
Go ahead. So the business and marketing plan of Tom Brady will take a hit, and it's not going to be a hard hit. But there always will be questions out there. And I think the difficult part, as you said, his New England fans, um, that's the definition of a myopic individual. Yep. They're going to be fans, Patriots fans. Um, that's what you think about when you talk about cognitive dissonance, the very definition. Don't make an excuse and won't want to hear it. You'll have those fans of what we refer to often as haters. There's nothing you can tell them that's going to change their mind. They've always thought they were dirty. This is just another example. They get away with everything. But the ones in the middle are the ones I think because of the way he's going to that he handled it are going to float to the side where they're going to have more questions than not. And I think it, ultimately this will affect him uh, in the media markets in terms of his sponsorships to a small degree. I agree. Yep. So he got suspended four games. It'd probably be an appeal reduced to two games. My thought, and other people believe that. And he's got into a win. Friday, the uh, team got fined a million dollars and lose a first round pick in 2016 and a fourth round pick in 2017. And one of the reasons for Brady being suspended four games was mentioned that he, he didn't cooperate with the investigation at all. It had to do with his and cell phone. there's some points where they he. Out and out lied. That too. And that is always bigger than the crime itself, which is why I was alluding to it in terms of the part that's really going to hurt him more than anything, particularly ones that question what went on. There were a lot of people that did not see this as a big deal in regards to the outcome of the game. They understood sure. that it was a rule violation, uh, but in the scope of things, many people were ready to say, all right, but when he didn't confront and the fact that he lied, there's one thing about most people in sports and this thing. They cannot still stand people that lie. I think that was the biggest mistake he did was not, again, confronting this issue, as you're alluding to, Chris, is really what's going to hammer home for a lot of people out there. And the more that he kind of becomes standoffish and laughs at this, the fact that he's fighting it uh, is going to do him more disservice than anything. You know, and the owner – Robert Kraft, you know, he's has the team has Tom's unconditional support and our belief in him has not wavered and all this. Passing. At some point, accept responsibility for your actions. Have yep. They, have, have you should. Have, you should. Have they ever? Exactly. And you that's, should. That's another thing that was you should. cited in the today's penalties was their previous spot. That's why I said issues. I think it's yeah. going to hurt them a lot more because they have, again, that's something that is terse about people that follow sports or just in general, even politics, if you want, or entertainments. When they don't see people they feel that are sincere or take ownership, people have made a problem with that. This is a forgiving society in a Without lot of Without a ways. doubt. We've seen it over and over again. Particularly if they believe you can help in some kind of way. If they, if the Patriots would say something similar, similar to Al Davis back in the day, just win, baby. The Raiders basically told you up front, we would do anything to to win a ball game. Going back to the stickum, going back, you know, all kinds of stuff to win a game. That's what they are. They tell you right up front. Very good point, Patriots. Yeah. No, 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 not us. Yeah, we don't. Really. We, we don't do that. No, no, hey, we don't, no, no. Despite, ask, despite evidence pointing to the fact, <coughs> yes, you do. Oh well, well, no, that's not really. That's not really true. The, the Spygate stuff was not really, you know, 
So that they, they, this the arrogance of it is what rubs many people the wrong way. And now, if it was not, I mean, the letter of the law, the letter of the NFL rule book, they broke that rule. Period. That's right. Now you can say it didn't make any difference. What difference did it make in the you know in the forty-five to seven outcome? Fine, you can't prove that. But if you must have thought it was going to make some type of difference because you did it. If you didn't think it was going to have any impact, why do it at all? And the, another question is, uh, the, I can't think of the person who brought it up on a panel. I think it was Peter King of, of Sports Illustrated. Is He didn't hear in the, in the World Report mentioned enough was this was the first time Tom Brady did this. How many times has he done this before? See, that's a question that needs to be answered. This, I mean, I heard uh, Shannon Sharp said earlier on ESPN Radio, this wasn't the first time he did this. Let's not be naive. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's, come on now. So based on that right there, meaning indicates he's broken this rule before. So all those fans and defenders, oh, not our Tom. Uh, yes, <laughs> your Tom. Wildcat. Well, not only did, you know, he gets his suspension. I think the biggest thing that affected everybody, that, that everybody was, uh, the other 31 teams were looking at, the loss of draft, draft picks. Now that, that's like a scholarship. Doc, am I wrong? That's correct. That is going to have an impact immediately on next season. I want to see how they adjust to that as a team. Because if you don't have the draft picks, that means you got to go and find a free agent somewhere to, to fill at least one hole. It's going to be interesting. And now these other the 31 other teams are looking at all of this like, here we go again. The hammer got dropped. We're in shock. The draft picks, man, that show is a lot. You wanted them suspended, you wanted them fine, but the full draft, but the draft picks, that sure is a lot of punishment right there, and that was kind of quick, you know, because because basically that's what's going through the GMs and the president's mind, and the coaches' situation, and these other thirty-one teams, they're looking at that. How do you fi- how do you figure that out? How, how do you go? Well, I think the other 31 teams were really looking to see that this happened. Oh, many I, of them were concerned that the relationship. That nothing would happen. Right. And that was the scary part. So, so the uh, four games for Brady was one thing. But really with the teams, as you alluded to, GMs and presidents, they were looking to see how was this going to affect, as you said, draft picks and the overall team. Remember, the Atlanta Falcons and the owner blanks down there. Uh, just had crowd noise, and he lost a pick. So if you're going to do that, and you're not even playing, obviously, uh, outside of the rules right. in terms of what happens on the field, because people said this was against the rules, so don't get me wrong. I understand that. Yeah. But if they get those kind of frameworks for rule violations, then everybody's like, the Patriots have to get hit. Or are you talking about people talking about Goodell and laughing at him even more so? Yep. Uh, he was going to even look 
worse in terms of how many people picture him now, which is not very good. I'm glad they did something because, you know, the last few months all we heard about was the friendship between Goodell and, and Mr. Kraft. Hanging out at the house and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. That kind of but wears in on people. The NFL is bigger than Goodell and bigger than Robert Kraft and bigger than the Patriots. So for, you know, and to show you, I mean, there are many people who, who didn't believe the league would punish the Patriots at all because of precedent. They've done things, Spygate, you know, other things, and let them slide. So for this to be done today, many people are relieved that something was done to the Patriots, to the golden child, Tom Brady. And it's a big thing because the NFL opener, season opener, on national TV would now be without Tom Brady. Yep. So, and folks have already talked about his first game back will be against the Colts. Ironic because that's who oh yeah, I noticed it. that was the other thing that jumped. But that'll change because I, I assume the during appeal his four game suspension will be cut to two, so he'll return it will be prior to the game against the Colts. But anyway, that was done. We haven't had a podcast since the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. The dancing. It's how Floyd fights. Yeah, it's it, not a big deal. Man. You know, I mean, you know. we yeah, said exactly. it on here earlier right. before the fight. We, we said it's going to go around. We said it'll go to the, the distance. So, we well, get through that, and then we'll talk about this, this weekend situation. The thing that I do think is interesting about Floyd is how many people now all of a sudden want to look at his off, the, out of the ring, right. I should say, frameworks with. And I think it bought anybody that deals with domestic violence. All obviously would have a problem with that. But it is intriguing to me that all of a sudden now it's become a yeah. very big is- issue. And I have some concerns with that because people are not out front. And to the credit in terms of what he's done outside of the ring financially, I think it's interesting the fact that, uh, again, I'll look at this from a sport business framework, is that the, they're looking at the fact that they should reach uh, 500 million dollars which billion dollars excuse me which would tie with the last Super Bowl made in terms of New York in terms of individual event and that's amazing and I think a lot of people are upset that <laughs> one individual it, it can generate person of color not sharing it with other individuals because uh, he's his own management team I wonder how much of a framework of people not believing somebody is capable of that, capable of doing that. And you know, it's, it's interesting, especially being in town during the event, before and after, including the next day. Um, it was interesting. Uh, Vegas has changed. There are no empty spots on the strip anymore, um, as far as hotel or casino space. You know, they they basically are carving out their niches. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that I noticed, which I had, and it's been it's been a while. I can tell you, it, it's been a while since I last been to Vegas, and I mean literally, it's been a while. I've never seen as much police, not security. I'm talking about police in on the strip, on every corner, on the bridges, on the walkovers, on the walkways. Uh, traffic moves, walking traffic, 
Not car traffic. Walking traffic moves on a regular basis. Nobody's standing around gathering up. It's, you know, move it along, move it along, move it along. Now, I will say this because it's already out there. Two mobile apps that folks used this past, that, that weekend. Periscope and Mercat. Stock up. That and I and, and I'm, I, so I try in the business world. Oh yeah, that is an application Bulls that you bears. that you need to be getting your hands on because bears folks, up. literally, literally, great point on the bridges where there was a gathering. These smartphones, it was just like watching TV on the little small little screens like we used to have back in the day with the little DD uh, D cell batteries. Folks, that was a really clear and live streaming. That's those two stops, those two applications, they are a must because they can le- they legally say them again for the people. Those two stops. No, I'm talking about to say the apps again for the Mercat, M E E R K A T, Periscope, as in Periscope, the subway, you know, using the telescope, Periscope, submarine, submarine. You need to get your hands on those two applications. I think they'll change the game so much for sports. People talk about telecast and oh, the equivalent yes. to yeah. what the music industry. I knew nothing about Periscope saw, until the fight. Uh, uh, the, the I, fight. I, I, I didn't either. That, that was a new one on me. And but I tell you what, live streaming is a game. That's a game. Those two are game changers. People talk about the way of cable and all. That may not. They may be on a dying shelf. When it comes to the, the, the mobile app, mobile apps and live streaming, those two can get things done. And I mean literally, they can get things done, and it's cheaper. They're cheaper. That's the other thing that I I, I found at this, uh, this uh, that weekend. They are cheaper. They're, those applications to get their hands on them and get them up and going, they are cheaper to get access to. The other thing that I know that uh, was interesting in Vegas was. After that fight was over with and people were done with their betting and picking up their bets and all and stars are leaving, police moved you down the strip to toward Caesar's Palace and uh, Circus Circus and the other older hotels, but they moved you off that corner. And people that was there know what I'm talking about. But you basically were told, don't go downtown and screw up. Because anybody that's that's older as I am or older knows that old Vegas, which is downtown, the casinos are still open to the streets. They don't have the uh, the bo- you're not boxed in. You can actually see what's going on outside. The sun comes in. You can walk in off the street, and the table is right there. They don't allow things to happen downtown. The other was 24-hour buses that will allow you to go from the strip to downtown and back and forth makes for an interesting bus bus ride. It's the the weekend was nice, it was quiet, but what I've seen happen, all that empty property between the MGM and all in the Luxor and Tropicana and all all the way over to uh UNLV, that area is about to close in with more casinos going up, more resorts going up. Doc, 
they buying up property left and right, and it's running. But the area. Will Las Vegas ever get a professional team? You know, next ten years. And we we, we know about that. We hope they get a women's <laughs> final four. We'll yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Doc, be a home base. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say something to you. That's the one thing that I noticed. What they bet on and what they don't bet on. Now it's, it's gonna always somebody's gonna always just bet just to be bet. But women's basketball, I'm just being honest. I don't think that 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 would be a problem with the NC two A and 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 posting having a regional or the final four in Las Vegas because they take those games off the board. You know, when it'll be the, interesting. The, I don't have much confidence it, in the it, greater part of the NCAA in but the leadership. So the, the other the other thing too now, and I'll say this for so a fact: I'm credit if they decide to make that move. The one thing I can guarantee: everybody that says they won't drive, they'll drive. They'll drive to Vegas because people drive to Vegas. For, they drove to Vegas for that fight this past weekend. I, that's the one thing that, that because Doc, you know what it does? Just like a private plane, it allows you to come past people. With things in your trunk of your car. Cash and whatever. You're not going by public transportation. You're just coming on in, doing what you're going to do, and leaving. <laughs> whatever. Wow. And, 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 what happens in Vegas <laughs> stays in Vegas. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm just saying, but that that's noticeable. That's the one thing that I noticed. That, hadn't, that part of Vegas hadn't changed. If you want to get something in, you ain't flying it in unless it's by private. Rest of it. By drive. Doc, how can folks find you on the internet? Yes, they can find me on the internet at www.thg-agency.com. They can find me on the onadon.com. That's www.onnidan.com. They can find me at the Houston Round Ball Review during basketball season, men's and women's top 10 polling. Um, that's www.vhrr. Dot com. You can also find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That would be Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find me on uh, the social media platform of SoundCloud, which we do a podcast for a live radio show I do. Every Tuesday from 7 to 8 at Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. So if you want to get the the blog in terms of, uh, excuse me, the podcast, uh, if you can't hear it live, you can go to SoundCloud Inside, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, I should say. Let me read this. The wedding came less than a month after the two were arrested on domestic violence-related charges at their home in the Phoenix suburb of Goodyear. Wildcat, how was the wedding? You were telling me you were there, right? I didn't go to the wedding, man. I didn't, I didn't get no invitation. Doc, were you invited to the wedding? No, I did not have any invitation. And it was during the off season. I wasn't invited to the wedding either. But, but it got some, it got some, it got, it's getting a run. Five people attended the wedding. We're talking about listeners, if you don't know. Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson were married on Saturday. I think it was Saturday. A month after they were arrested, he had mugshot taken for an altercation that turned physical. And uh, Brittany entered <coughs> in, entered into a diversion agreement in, in, in municipal court uh, 
and all charges will be dismissed if she completes 26 weeks of domestic violence counseling. The WNBA, to my knowledge, as of this podcast, has not yet announced any punishment for either player. I'm not sure what they're waiting on. I guess they what they have to do their due diligence and, and things of that sort. The season starts in a few weeks, but uh, I, they need to do something. W- w- when does training camp start? Because if you said a few weeks, the training camp should be starting, what, at the end of the month? Uh, uh, yeah. See, I used to know these things when I had a team to cover in town. Hey! Decent comments. You may still get a team. You know, I, one can hope. Some things may happen. You know, if a certain team, I joke with somebody already about this. <laughs> I have no problem saying it. I, I would look, I would love for the New York Liberty to be sold and moved to the Houston, city of Houston and be whatever nickname they want to, they want to give if, them. You want to transfer into that now or you want to wait, wait a little bit? But, uh, no, you know, in, in a second. Okay. Because with the owner of the Knicks and Liberty and the MSG, James Olin, pissing off Anybody who follows women's basketball <coughs> with his hire of Isaiah Thomas to run the Liberty, despite the fact that Isaiah lost in court in the sexual harassment case against Anuka Brown and had to, the Knicks organization had to pay $11.5 million to Anuka for a sexual harassment. Right. And they're trying to rewrite history, basically saying, no, I, I, I never, I didn't lie to lose. No, it, it, it's sad. It's comical. It's, no, it's, it's pathetic how Dolan continues to trust a and disregard, believe a disregard. Isaiah Thomas so much first to even want to consider. And keep in mind, listeners, as I said earlier in this podcast, I am a diehard to the core. When I die, Detroit Pistons logo will be in my coffin type person. When Isaiah led the bad boys to back-to-back championships. But Isaiah as an executive, Isaiah as a head coach it's is horrible. Failure. At every level. He dismantled a league. The CBA folded. A he league. Did, he couldn't coach on the college level. He did a decent job with Damon Sotomayor. Damon Sotomayor will defend Isaiah for basketball, you know, because Isaiah drafted him with the Raptors. Right. But other than that, very few positives from Isaiah running the Knicks, college, losing records everywhere. And yet, Mr. Dolan still believes in this man. For whatever reason, because it, it's not successful on the court. I don't know what it is, but something's going on there. And now for him to bring back into a higher Isaiah to run the Liberty of the WNBA, despite losing the sexual harassment case, there are people in WNBA naturally who are livid with the move, livid with the decision, livid with Dolan indifference. To them being livid. He doesn't care. He's like, I don't care what you think. It's my team. I hire what I want to hire. It's my money. Isaiah's going to run the Liberty. And he's actually right with that. But the problem he's going to have is, is not only did he hire people don't realize is the fact that he gave him partial ownership. Yeah. And that was the scary part. That's when the other teams have to vote on it. So that's where it's going to be interesting. Again, I'm going to look at this from a business perspective. Because I think that's when it gets interesting. Because now... Uh, as an individual, you can pretty much hire who you want. People may kind of look at you backwards, uh, but it's your team. You hire who you want, and everybody's going to have to deal with it. But when you get into the ownership component, remember, ownership has to be evaluated by the other teams and accepted uh, based on whatever the guidelines uh, state 
of how many teams may have to be certified for the ownership to take place. And I think that's where it really gets more interesting when you talk about all the different stuff out there. And again, this is a framework as we see society changing with the issues on domestic violence mm-hmm. um, properly uh, as it should be in terms of that framework. Uh, but it, it's obviously a lot of people have not caught up on those times changing. So Seattle has publicly came out mm-hmm. said that they have some concerns. So it'll be interesting to see possibly over the next week or so, are there going to be any more teams that come out and voice a statement uh, of concern and how will that go ultimately when the final decision is made of whether he can get ownership in the scene. And there are some conflict of interest in the fact that the New York market is a very big market and uh, as you would want to be a part of. So how much of that, as you talked about with Dolan, say, well, either you're going to allow me to do what I want to do or y'all can have this team. And so it would be interesting to see how deep these roots go in terms of people standing for their causes based on having a market or losing mm-hmm. a market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the kind of frameworks I want to see uh, where this will ultimately go. In regards to the domestic charges with Brittany Griner and a significant other, I think those are some significant issues, and I think that's why the league is taking some wild. Because in the other leagues, you do have issues with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, or as far as I know, there's no nothing that has been really internal in terms of relationships between players on, uh, on the same team or within the league, obviously, uh, which creates a whole different framework yep. of how you deal with those issues. It's a lot easier to deal with issues uh, uh, although it may be tougher in terms of the media framework right. of it, uh, in, in suspending a guy right. or an individual, if you would, in terms of what they've done to their significant other. Presidents have been, it's things that already been set in hand. When both players yeah. are in the league, play on different teams, uh, then you have the gender issue in terms of who did what, who was charged. Yeah. You spend them both. One, Brittany Garner seemed to take – most of the issue in regards to what she has to do as if she was the cause. Yeah, what transpired. Transpired. So how do you deal with that in terms of making sure whatever penalty you levy is actually um, the best? And remember that this is going to basically set precedent. Yep. So that's another issue why I think from a business platform that you may see this taking a little longer than we may think because I think it's ultimately is a very important decision in regards to what this sets the league moving forward. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the frameworks I have, particularly from a business perspective of what is going forward. I didn't really find an exact start date with training camp, but I think it's this week. I know USA Basketball had uh, their training camp last week when a lot of the WNBA, the pros, were participating in that, and they have either gone back to – they're overseas teams that get ready for the WNBA I'm just going to say the other part you got to be truthful on this too is that you have a quandary starting to take place in terms of the email that you sent out where players are leveraging the fact that they can go overseas and play and play for much more. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so how do you deal with this issue? Can you get a, 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 a set of rules that will allow you to be able to punish somebody WNBA with it? Will you, uh, will it, if they decide uh, to go somewhere over? else, yeah. you carry it over? Does it move to different leagues? 
Can you get those partnerships to take place to see that? So I think there's a lot of stuff going behind the scenes to try to figure out how they're going to actually deal with this issue because it opens up, as they say, in a lot of frameworks, Pandora's box in terms of a lot of things going forward. Speaking of, with the league that is struggling on many fronts. Speaking of, since you sent the email out, how many have made not so much an effort, but have made a real threat that they were taking their talents overseas to do a, you know, to follow in the, in the uh, 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 Diana Taurasi's, uh, well, nearly all the stars, hell, almost every WNBA player plays overseas. No, but I'm talking about to do exactly mm-hmm. what she did. You know, just basically. Right said, now it's just her, her really, to sit out the season. Candace Parker said that she won't, she's going to take some time to rest and won't start the season with the Sparks, you know, at opening day. She hasn't said when she's going to report to the Sparks, but Candace said that it will not be opening day. She's going to take some time off, spend time with Layla, her daughter, take her to school, things like that. Just be, but, but she just also did, did just recently did, uh, had another kid, didn't No. She, I know she, She's only got the, just the one? Candace? Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm just I mean, asking. You know something I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard Sheldon can tell them about a goal. You know, I'm not saying it's not <laughs> possible. Man is well traveled. You know, so, um, okay. but even in the write-up and stuff about her talking, she didn't say anything about another child. So, you know, but Diana's the only one saying she's sitting out the season, the entire season. Uh, Candace sitting out who knows how long. Sylvia Fowles has said that she told the Chicago Sky current team, trade me. Yeah. I don't want to play for y'all anymore. She, this is the, and she's limited herself. I want you to trade me to this team, this one team. She has not told, it's not leaked publicly who that one team is. Some folks are guessing that it's the Sparks, but we can know that who that one team is. But Sylvie Big Silver said, uh, Chicago, thank you for your time here. I appreciate everything that we've accomplished here, but I don't want to play for y'all anymore. So trade me. So Pokey Chapman, Coach GM, is working on that. We'll see if that gets done there. So those things are out there. Not sure, you know, um, Maya Moore resigned with the Minnesota Lynx. That, she wasn't going anywhere. My fans worry about the little, any little thing. Boy, I'm going to tell you, you, you are tied to your squad. If your best player has not signed a contract yet, oh, nope. Is my unhappy? See that? That's, that's how folks, <coughs> once Diana said she wasn't going to play this you season, are. people concerned about my not playing. My said, relax. I just haven't got a paperwork yet. I'm coming back. Calm down, folks. I will be back in Minnesota. Relax. That was happening like four days ago. So she got it done. Calm down, folks. She signed. Maya said she would resign. Maya resigned. Chill. So thing that that happened. WNBA season is, is, is starting. That's probably the most info I said on share on WNBA in the last <laughs> five years. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie because losing the comments, comments disbanding hurt me personally. I am not going to. Did it just personally, hurt you? Did it slap you upside the head? And professionally. Did it slap you upside the head? Because from everything I accomplished, Ron Bar- Houston Ron Bar Review. It's all tied to that. I was me and Bill Stickney with the Chronicle. Chronicle and Houston Ron Bar Review and the comments were tied at the hip. So when they disbanded, I lost a whole lot of support. And a whole lot of followers, a whole lot of web hits, everything. So when I say to you, for years, I didn't miss the WNBA, that's where it's coming from. 
So now you see me talking about the league a little bit here and there, <laughs> making plans. We're going to San Antonio yep. probably oh, yeah. one or two games this season. Yeah. The At ice least has admin. thawed because of my time spending in Tampa wow. at the WNBA uh, media party. It was good to see friends. And I still had people in the league I did not know. who still oh, yeah. connected with me. Still Back, we used to travel. So. Well, I understood that. I know that, but I didn't know the relationship so, oh, no, I, was that I, deep. So, I, yeah, I go back of, with of president of the WNBA who would sit down for interviews with me. Yeah. So, oh, and Got they, would, they would schedule. You know, the, I would get notified, we're going to be in town. Do you have time to, for interview before the game against comics? Yes. That's how I was connected with it with the WNBA. Yes. Impressive. So anything you want to add? <laughs> no. Talk about softball. We got right yeah, yeah. baseball it, coming up on Tuesday. It, well, first of all, we got softball because of the uh uh the, the TSU Tigers headed down to Baton Rouge to play the Bengal Tigers at LSU on fr- this upcoming Friday at uh, six o'clock, and that'll be interesting. Because in that in that bracket it is interesting for who? Well, anything can happen because neither neither one of these teams could. It, <laughs> like what? Well, like one thing she winning a game. That what you say? Yeah, that could happen. Okay, based on what? <laughs> what? See that you go. You question they got to get hit at that, that they can't get anything done. Uh, based on the fact that the the pitching in, in this kind of pitching to compete on that level, they have enough hits. They can get enough folks on base and all to get to, to on compete. that level. Yeah. Okay. Doc. No, no, I don't see it. Nebraska is not as great as they used to. It, it's, it, and they that been. may and be. Ari- and and I, that I, may Arizona be. Arizona State, you know, they are who they are. The kudos go for the Texas Southern Tigers and winning back-to-back championships, getting done. Um, they get to travel to LSU to play a, a top-five type team. It's going to be very tough, very challenging. I know the ladies for the Tigers will be up to it, but I just think you know, it's going to be a little too much for them to get it done. Um, it would be interesting to see if they can find a way to get a win in terms of the second type of game they play in terms of yeah. other teams in the matchup. But I think that will be difficult as well. So kudos for them. Kudos for uh, them winning, as I said, back-to-back championships. A lot of great work winning that uh, as they got it done. And I mean, if they if they do, it would it would speak – Volumes to TSU coaching staff, the swag be great. Oh yeah, I'm not expecting it at all, but I can't see. But you know, quickly, I would like to throw in a couple of other HBCU sports reports going on in there. The fact that you got um, baseball tournaments coming down this week. Uh, Texas Southern's number one seed coming out of the West in the swag. Number one seed coming out of the East in the swag is Alabama State. You have FAMU that's won the MEAC in the South first time. In over 10 years. Wow. So they've really rebuilt that program. Bethune Cookman? Uh, no, FAMU. They had to jump over Bethune Cookman. They had ruled the roost over there for the longest. Wow. FAMU got it done. I'm talking about the Arattlers. I just said it because. Again, as they would say in that area over there. Yeah. Then coming out of the north, uh, Norfolk State got it done. So interesting terms that mm. will go on there. Unfortunately, tough news to get out there is the fact that, uh, we've lost a legend, uh, in terms of basketball. Yes, sir. Particularly for HBCU fans, you would be very aware of Dave, better known as Davey, uh, Whitney. Yes, spent time here. History, yeah. Actually, Texas Southern for a while. um, Didn't really get things running. 
here at Texas Southern. Um, as he started out early in the yep. 60s. I don't know what happened. Went on and moved to Alcorn where he really oh, yeah. made his history. And then did what? Um, he won 12 championships in the SWAT. But he, he had the last regular season undefeated season until what we've seen recently take place, and that was the same time that Indiana right. uh, had that uh, championship run that they went undefeated. Mm-hmm. They were not uh, part of the NCAA in terms of earning an automatic bid. They went on to the NIT, was the first team under his leadership to win an NCAA game. Mm-hmm. They won an NIA, NIT game, uh, beat Mississippi State, which was big in terms of uh, uh, legendary status goes on there. Trained uh, or taught, he types highly. Quote that I'll give you that he said here that really connects the dots. Uh, the legend legends going from place to places. Um, quote McClendon was my mentor, and the great McClendon had three national championships: uh, Tennessee State and the NAIA State of Whitney. He was the first black coach in the NBA and the ABA. So I had some good guys that taught me a lot. He also played. Uh, collegiately at Kentucky State was a three-star athlete in regards to baseball, track, and basketball. Many people may not have realized that he played in the Negro Leagues and was actually the person that took the place of yeah. a great legend that yeah. was just lost recently, Ernie Banks, playing for the Kansas City Monarchs, which a lot of legends oh, yeah. played for, as we know, with Jackie Robinson and all that. But he played uh, from 1952 to 1954, as we said, taking the replacing Ernie Banks when he moved on and signed a professional contract with the Chicago Cubs. And we know his accolades there. But a brilliant man in a lot of ways in terms of getting it done. Many people didn't realize this. Uh, Mississippi coached as assistant coach for the Mississippi Jets as part of the CBA. We talked about the CBA a little earlier, maybe for the wrong reason. Also, another little nugget, uh, he helped coach Phoenix College in Gulfport to a women's national championship. So he's had a lot of success, a lot of success. Sad news to see him uh, pass on at the age of 85 in terms of what he's done for the sport of basketball in general, specifically uh, for HBCU sports and even more so for the SWAC uh, in terms of starting in 1969, uh, ending in 1982 with Alcorn and later. 1996 to 2002, 495 games under the win column for Coach Whitney. Dave, Davey Whitney, rest in peace. Yes, sir, rest in peace to him. And I believe Alcorn State played five slam jamma in the tournament games. uh, Back in the day. Back in the day, I saw them on TV, and that's one of my first recollections of Coach Whitney, seeing him on TV. So, <clears throat> 550 victories, 337 defeats. Uh, coach, as you said, at Texas Southern and Alcorn State in the sweat. Um, one final uh, that I have, um, as far as making a statement of uh, uh, comments now tonight, NC2A baseball, you know, uh, just like was mentioned earlier about tournaments now coming up tomorrow. Uh, well, first of all, let me mention. Rice and U of H both made it back into the top 25 uh, this uh, this weekend. As of today, uh, they are both 33 and 16. That's that's what's listed. Or, uh, Rice is 33 and 16, and U of H is 32 and 16 over the weekend. Last week they were not ranked. Uh, but also, Dallas Baptist 
this little small school that's in what north uh, what is it garland um they are in 12 uh the number 12 spot the, the number nine depending on which ranking you you pay attention to but they have an opportunity if they pull off the uh tournament the uh missouri valley tournament to host a regional probably even a super regional if they make the top eight and this is a school that has a uh enrollment of five of around five thousand students and baseball is their pretty is pretty much their only sport on campus as far as a team a scholarship sport and what's made them relevant is the fact that since the the scholarship since 2009, 27 players, 11.7 scholarships, and everybody has to get something out of that out of the bunch. And no, the the larger schools now can't hoard players anymore on campus. So the talent now spreads out, and Little Dallas Baptist is making a name for themselves, and they are relevant. And it'll be interesting what uh, if they pull it off to watch them at home and somebody uh, 14, uh, three teams come to their place and play. And how can folks find you, sir? You can As find you doing baseball slash softball oh, yeah. on your blog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, just, you, you just love saying that, don't you? Because softball is just, and baseball is just something you attend and watch. No. No, I don't. <laughs> And you still didn't get your bat, your boxing in this weekend, but I want to hear some. I, I will uh, okay, second. all right then. I'll, I'll finish up then. Uh, you can find me online at Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook at Jerry L Woodley Jr. J L Woodley One. You can find me elsewhere: SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, Blogger, at AKSV DCSR, the College Sports Report. Now, young man. This past weekend, here in H-Town, through the weather and everything, 31,000-plus people showed up where and what happened. Minute Maid Park to watch Saul Canelo Alvarez destroy James Kirkland. You had, that was actually our fight? With a vicious right hand that knocked James Kirkland out before he hit the canvas and was laid and stretched out on the canvas. One person tweeted that he thought James was dead. <laughs> That's how bitch the knockout was. But, but but Canelo is is a he is the kind of fighter that the the fans who don't know much about boxing thought Floyd Mayweather and Pacquiao would fight in that style. Canelo fights. Canelo throws punches. He's forty five one and one. The one losses to Money Mayweather, and at the time you know he was I think twenty two years old. He wasn't wasn't really ready for that fight, but it's money fight, and Floyd knew he could beat him at that time, and knows he probably couldn't beat him two years from now. So, <clears throat> once again, Floyd makes a money decision, as he's he's a great businessman. But can he beat him? You hate him. You hate him off, you know, outside of boxing, but money wise, business wise, Floyd knows what he's doing inside that ring. What's but that's Canelo okay. Kirkland. Kirkland James Kirkland is a perfect fighter for Canelo. Straight ahead, not a lot of head moving, not a lot of moving, period. He fought with his hands down sometimes, and Canelo dropped with an uppercut. Kirkland got up. Why? I don't know. Pride. That's pride in boxing. In the words of 
See, that's what I'm. A, that's what I like fiction. to see. I like to see that pride. F pride because Kirkland. That's you know line of pulp fiction we can talk about. Oh yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, James Kirkland just got knocked out, and and he needs to retire. Honestly, and tie into listening to Ralph Cooper on sports rap. Kirkland used to be trained by Ann Wolf. Used to, used to. He fired her, or they just <coughs> went to separate ways. I don't want Ann to get mad at me. He, he didn't fire her because Ann Wolf could knock me out. True, because he's scared. But that's, that's that's she's an imposing woman. He made a decision. But two fights ago, they went to separate ways. Kirkland's been knocked out the two times without Ann Wolf in his corner. Right now, it looking like a bad deal. Clearly, and he needs to stop fighting because he he is punch drunk. He's slurring his word and everything. He's hard to understand him. And he's only, I think, 20, 29 years old. He, he needs to stop. But back to Canelo. It's all about Canelo, listeners. Canelo, you look at him. You look at him. You think he is the mom's American apple pie, golden child, red hair, pale skin. You think he's a, this is a young man from American, American heartland. But listen to him talk. Espanol, Espanol, that's all he, his English is not great. He's learning to speak, learning English, especially the conversational English, because once he learns that, he can fight in New York and the media will love him. He will be, he can be the next big it fighter in boxing. Trust and believe that. So, and they're talking about Canelo fighting Miguel Cotto in September on, uh, Mexican Independence Day, September 16th. Oh my goodness, I am looking so forward to that fight because that will be a fight. It'll be bombs from each way. Dudes will be throwing hands. It won't be robotic. I'm not calling. It won't be robotic. I'm not hating on it, Floyd. It won't style. be robotic. Is it won't be saying? dancing. It won't be, you know, making guys miss and, you know, it won't be the head swing guy. Anything like that. It's going to be two guys standing in the middle of the ring going toe to toe, throwing hands. So if you want that kind of style of fight, you need to watch Canelo versus Cotto. Cotto has to win his next fight in June for that to, for that to happen. But that that happens hopefully September 16th. We'll get that done. I'll talk about that in, in future podcasts. But well, yes, who, go ahead. Who hounds uh, 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 Canelo then? Who Who is this people? Oscar De La Hoya. So, Oscar knows how to make money. <laughs> yes, he does. Oscar's a smart man too. So Yes, he did. And Oscar has already talked about in a year or so. I may even talk about, you know, Throwing too much, too many names out there for listeners who, who don't follow boxing. Well, I am getting into they need to get informed. They but, need to uh, get informed. Oscar is talking about uh, future fights fighting Gennady Golovkin. And if you've seen Triple G fight, get, get your popcorn before the fight starts because the fight won't last long. So a Triple G fight versus Canelo, oh my goodness, I didn't see. Boxing fans know where the matchups are. The Fairweather fans know where the the money is. Where the event is. Where the, thank you. The That's even. where the event is. is. Floyd Floyd is an even. Yep. Canelo, yep. Canelo, Canelo is in fights. And that's the difference. No fault of Floyd. Floyd just knows how to make that money. And as long as folks continue spending that money on Floyd, Floyd just will continue giving people what they want. So there we go on that. But yes, Canelo Kirkland, 31,500 people were in Minute Maid Park to see their man Canelo win in a third round knockout over James Kirkland. It was on HBO. Yes, that's right. 31,500 
in Midway, in Midway Park watching boxing in H-Town. So that was a great thing there. Looking forward to future fights, talking about fights, more boxing matches here on our podcast, mixing in. Y'all can talk baseball, I can talk boxing. All right. Now, and I'm for the person that just tweeted me, it asked me for some information, the strength of the Dallas Baptist Patriots is in pitching, which is what it should be, which is what baseball and softball is. And I'm going to read this quick. They've got a left-hander uh, in the name of Sean Stutzman, who's 6-0. and uh, He works at, uh, he's now in the uh, weekend rotation after, and, and after him is Trevor Kahn, who went out, who was out for, uh, uh, for, uh, Tommy John surgery in early April. The bullpen features the, these three guys. Drew Smith, fastball, 99, 99 miles per hour. Chase Adams, throws in the mid 90s, and they've got a closer by the name of Brandon Koch, who has 13 saves. They've got four seniors and three juniors in the lineup every day. It's interesting. And they also have a number one RPI because of the strength of the conference that, they, that they're in the Missouri Valley. Folks, they can get stuff done. And pitching, if you can get get that many pitches together, especially in the bullpen, you can get a lot of things done. And to not end a podcast on a baseball note, heaven help us, Lord, that ever happens, especially on a college You're level. You're killing me, man. You're you killing me. You can't even get love to the Astros. You can talk about Dallas Baptist. Whatever. Hey. Whatever, Dallas Baptist. Good good luck to them in the you, tournament. You finna mention the Astros? The hell I am. I am going to <laughs> mention a welcome home to a young lady who I've seen grow up from high school at Westside. Seventh to grade. To now. Paul Revere. Coaching, dad, and coming home and joining, screaming the in the, in the, in the stand. Let me stay this, please. I gave you a moment to talk about Dallas Baptist. <laughs> Let me talk about Sidney Colson joining the Rice Isle staff for women's basketball. Head coach Tina Langley hired Sydney last week, so she is an assistant coach for the Owls. Good luck to her. Um, her, if anyone, I it's Twitter, so it's public. So her Twitter account is. At SYDJ Colson. She changed it. She's growing up and getting fancy now because he's using something <laughs> different. And I'll tell her that when I see her. Um, so good luck to, uh, good hire by Coach Langley. I knew another person who was interested in the job. So. Yeah, I, hiring, I did too. Hiring, hiring Sydney is, is a good thing because Sydney, I think she has a bright future in coaching if that's what she wants to pursue long term. So good luck to Sydney and good luck to Rice Isles. Yet another reason to follow Rice Women's Basketball. Yep. I think. Coach Lang is a good hire, and I think support of the, with the support of administration at Rice, the Owls can do things and get back to how and things I'm, used to be done when Coach McKinney was there winning ball games. And I'm going to stay with that. So we're going to wrap I'm a, it up. I'm going to stay with that. You know, five years, everybody's going to make a chance. With our podcast. Everybody's going to get a chance. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time, your insight, your opinions. That's what we do here, uh, listeners. Thank you very much. You listen to our podcast on SoundCloud.com, on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter. My Twitter is at the HR Review. Our Facebook page is kind of naked. We're waiting for your responses, waiting for your comments, waiting for your critiques, your questions. The KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. And we're probably going to, at some point this year, before the year is over, we have a goal is to uh, start selling t shirts. I'm putting it out there. We're going to have some, some KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc t shirts for sale. So look for that. In the months to come. So thank you fellas for your time. 
looking forward. We're not sure what we're gonna have our next podcast. You just keep track, keep following us on Twitter. We'll, we'll get it out there. Good luck uh, to the baseball teams. We've got softball, baseball tournaments about to start. The NCAA tournament getting ready to start. I think UCF women won softball. Correct? Is that right? Of course. Whatever. <clears throat> so, but we got football, college, spring training stuff is over. I heard on radio that the first a preseason poll was announced today. In magazine was out. Ohio State was a clear cut favorite. Of course, they should be. So, uh, I think I, number two was kind of interesting, but Alabama, number two might have been TCU was number two. Baylor was number six, despite their pathetic. Interesting. And tell your man, Art Browse, I have no problem saying this. Once again, their crappy, <coughs> ridiculously easy non-conference schedule. Come on, man. You play in the Big 12. Is that reason why you play in these little crumb cupcakes? That you, come on now. <laughs> All that money, you big-time program, you can't play nobody tough in non-conference. Give me a break. And you know, and I'm going to ask that question, too. I'll probably be the only one in the room that answered it. And we'll get an answer. That, that'll be the best part about that. I'll get actually get an answer. Well, ask the question. Please. I will. I will, I will ask the question. Come on, you are you. You're now Baylor's not an elite program. Stop playing these, these. Come on now, seriously. Play somebody who you have a chance to possibly lose to, because strength of schedule is now something that is in the mix for the playoff seating. So That's what they say. Don't cry. That's when what you they sitting say. at home and they say your non-conference schedule wasn't strong enough. You don't have yourself to blame for that. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.